Hello, hello, it's Kevin here. Welcome to another episode of the Mindshare Mentorship Podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about how to value price the uh, your productized consulting offers. Now, there's a there's a bunch of ways you can go about it. I, I tend to be in the productized consulting camp only because it makes my business a little bit more efficient, makes, makes kind of the selling process a bit easier. It also lets me kind of create and design a service that not only allows me to sort of scale and kind of create a little bit more... Um, predictability in my business. So I can kind of, you know, from one client to the next, have some sort of a consistent rhythm and a consistent revenue stream. So I'm not always reinventing the wheel or kind of doing different things for different people. Everything sort of flows in a very kind of structured way and allows me to design my business in a way to handle up to say 10 one-to-one clients or a different number of group coaching uh, clients. So uh, I want to kind of break down sort of the value factor. So how do you value price productized consulting when you when you're working with different people and every every client's different, but your price is sort of remains the same. So well, first off, there's there's sort of a few things to think about. One, there's fixed price uh, productized consulting, and that's where you know I, I publish, for example, on my website a, a price, and that's the price to work with me for that particular tier of service. But then I also do a little bit of uh, starting out pricing as well. So we'll come back to this towards the end, but that's an area where uh, if you are kind of at the top end of one of your services, you can leave yourself room and basically say, hey, uh, I kind of reserve the right to be able to charge whatever price I think is right, but it generally starts at this price, but your situation may be vastly different. So it kind of creates an unlimited upside while still kind of creating an envelope and a scope that makes sense. So I'll come back to that a little bit later, Uh, but more or less, we're going to be talking about the fixed price, productized consulting, the kind you like publish on your website and the kind that's visible so that by the time someone reaches out to you, they more or less know what they want. They just want to have a conversation and see if they're truly a right fit or if they should be considering a different one of your pricing services, uh, one of your consulting services. So really, there's a few ways to do go about this. The first thing we want to we want to think about in terms of any kind of consulting engagement is is focusing on business outcomes. And I think a lot of us by nature, and this is why working with a coach or just a mentor or whomever, someone from the outside is really valuable because by nature, we tend to want to talk about the things that we do versus the outcomes that we're trying to get. So the analogy that I've been using with my clients lately is, you know, a lot of clients are looking to get to Hawaii or let's pick Hawaii as a destination. That's where I went on my honeymoon. But let's say that they, uh, several years ago, but let's say that they're, they're trying to get to Hawaii, but you're selling them a train ride right? And to Hawaii, maybe. Yeah, sure. We can go to Hawaii, but this is the train and here's how we get there. And here's the route we take and here's where you'll be sitting. And they don't really care too much. Like, yeah, sure. They're going to care about how you get there. Obviously that's a factor, but they're more focused on getting to Hawaii and having a great trip. And if you are kind of focused on the path to getting there, then you're going to be kind of missing the thing that they're actually buying, which is the end result. So first and foremost, in any kind of a proposal or a consulting engagement or anything, we want to have a a clear idea of the business outcome uh, that we're trying to create. Now, that could look like growth. It could look like, you know, they're expanding their offerings. You know, your clients may be expanding what they sell. So that's another sort of form of growth. Uh, They might be expanding and opening more locations or they might be hiring new people and therefore creating more scale. Uh, They may be looking to increase retention. So maybe they have a recurring revenue relationship or some sort of relationship that recurs and they may want to kind of increase that retention rate or increase the lifetime value of each of their clients or customers. And that's another factor as well. Growth may also mean that they want to develop systems so that they can 
you know, open a franchise or, you know, create some sort of scale that way. So systemization being the key, especially if you're kind of getting to the size where if you don't have systems, you could easily run out of, uh, like things can get very chaotic very quickly once you reach a certain size with a certain size staff. So systemization might be valuable to them. Uh, there's also risk mitigation. So maybe they've, maybe your client has recently lost their executive or their top marketing manager, in which case, uh, they're kind of vulnerable to all kinds of things, things going missing, falling through the cracks, you know, even, even things right down to the tactical level, like not having all their passwords and, or even not knowing how to operate their marketing program because sometimes the key employees has left or maybe potentially could leave. So there's all kinds of business outcomes that you want to create, which are generally related to growth as a marketing consultant. Although if you're doing business or other consulting, it might be slightly different. They're generally related to growth and the, the pains associated with that, whether that's hiring, systemization, documentation, measurement, all those kinds of things. It might be risk, uh, risk mitigation. So, you know, making sure that as you continue to grow, your, 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 your downside is protected and you're doing things that aren't going to get you in trouble or you're not, you know, you're not blind to certain things that a more qualified person might be able to see at a time, uh, or sort of expanding or increasing the revenue for their existing clients. So all these things are kind of related to the, the business. So that's the business outcome. That's the Hawaii that we're trying to sell and how you get there is really up to you. So we don't want to, we always want to start the conversation with business outcomes and that helps us to, to determine the value first and foremost, but also the means of getting there. Because if I'm going to Hawaii, I live in, you know, just outside of Toronto, Canada. I don't want to take a train to Hawaii. First of all, you can't, but let's assume that you could and then took some kind of ferry. That's not what I would want to do. I would want to take a, a jet. So, or an, or an airplane, frankly, I'm not in private jet mode. So, um, I don't really, I mean, yeah, like there's the, the, how we get there matters, but whether we stop at two places, five places, whether I said first class, second class, those things are kind of secondary to the fact that I want to get to Hawaii and you're trying to sell Hawaii, not trying to sell the airline, even though that's how you get them to Hawaii. So that's the business outcome, right? We've talked about a few of the business outcomes. Now, how do we create and calculate the value of those business outcomes? And that's where, you know, I, I went to school just for for one year as a post-grad uh, certificate in, in entrepreneurship. And I learned a little bit about finance, a little bit about marketing, a little bit about law, business, everything else, right? Now, one of the things that it did help me with is understanding money, right? It helped me understand spreadsheets and, and cash flow and um, profit and loss and marginal profit versus, you know, gross profit and all, all kinds of things. So that that kind of like business language is going to be important. And I'll try to teach some of that stuff. I realize a lot of people haven't gone to business school. You're great at marketing, but maybe there's a few little kind of financial things that, that are still blurry to you. So what we want to do, though, is understand at the very basis, what's the business case for working together. How does, what, 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 like assuming we want to get growth and assuming that growth is say $2 million or $1 million every year for the next five years, what, what is the, the approximate value of that? And it's so different based on what actual goals they need, right? Because what's the cost of not doing anything, right? So there's, there's an opportunity cost of, of, of working with you or not working with you depending on the scenario, right? So especially what's the cost of doing nothing? And that might be higher risk. So they have to, you know, multiply their goals against their, their risk tolerance, uh, or risk potential, which would be, you know, if they want to grow by X percent, but there's a good chance that one of their key employees would leave, which would severely dampen, uh, their, their growth potential. Then obviously that's a risk and there's a multiplier effect. So there's the opportunity cost of, of not hiring with you, hiring, hiring you or not working with you or not doing anything. Or there's the, the, the costs of working with say an agency versus hiring an in-house employee. So there's a few different kind of factors there. Now we won't get too into the weeds there, but 
think about it in terms of what happens if you don't work with me and what are those, what are the, what are the values? What are the losses potentials with those? There's also upside value, which is probably how more people think about traditional value. Um, upside value obviously is if you want to grow by $5 million and you've got, you know, uh, a 30% margin, then, then that's sort of the, the, the true value, the external value. But that's not all, right? It's not just like 30% of 5 million, whatever that is, uh, 1.5 million. It's also, um, well, what is, the, what is the value of your company as a result of growing by $5 million at a 30% profit margin? What does that mean for investors? What is, and therefore, you know, if you get investors, what does that mean for, for growth as well? So there's all kinds of factors that go into value. It's not always about immediate profit and immediate financial growth. Sometimes it's like about, as I said, risk mitigation. And sometimes it's about uh, getting yourself in a systemized place so you can attract more investors so you can accelerate the growth of the business. And that's that's a factor as well. Or maybe the company is thinking about selling their, their business or they want to keep their exit strategy uh, open. So they might be thinking, well, if I systemize this, then I can I can sell this whole business and I have a whole systemized approach to getting new clients and running our marketing program. And that's really important to me. So Kevin and his team and documenting all the things that we do is, is valuable from that perspective. Or I want to start selling franchises or expand to, to new locations and I want to get more organized and systemized so we can do that more efficiently. So there's less waste and less internal pain. So all those things have kind of value. Um, so in addition to the opportunity cost of not working with you. There's the, the true value of increasing your revenue and of uh, getting more more business or increasing your retention or um, increasing the lifetime value of your clients or increasing your margins. Maybe you can acquire customers f- for less money with with your marketing program. So there's all that, uh, but then there's also those those intangible or even some of those those factors you wouldn't even think about. And those are the motivating factors. Those are the contexts. And many of those are subjective. Like it might just be. Uh, I'm like super stressed out trying to manage my, my marketing team here. And I just want someone to come in and help organize and structure and run a system and run a routine and, and build systems and processes into, into my business. That might be what you want to do. Uh, so that's a sort of a pain, an actual pain problem versus like, I don't even expect you to grow. I just want to get this under control so that maybe later I can grow. So there's a subjective nature to that as to that in terms of value as well. And that's why you have to really know what's going on in the minds of your clients. And that's why, you know, regardless of whether you do productized services or not, you want to be talking to them and say, well, what do you want to do? What are your goals? Why do they matter? Like, what's the context? Who are the other stakeholders involved here? Is it that your investors are getting angry or is it that your, you know, your partners are not, you know, get, are not happy with the clarity in, of your reporting or what is the, what's the context that's motivating you to act? And that's, that's another factor as well, right? Is the motivation, um, it kind of provides the backdrop in terms of why growth or other things are important. So you have to do a bit of digging to understand value from that perspective. So we've talked about opportunity costs of not working with you. We've talked about the upside value uh, of working with you as well, um, as well as the motivations and context behind those things, which are often subjective. Um, and then the last thing that I kind of do in terms of determining value or or comparing value or assessing value is 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 sort of using price anchoring to other things that they're spending money on. So let's say your services were five or $10,000 per month. Um, and let's say that they're at the size where, you know, well, first of all, a $5,000 employee might be, you know, they might be paying their front desk manager or their administrative person that amount of money. And that person is certainly not helping them grow by millions of dollars a year. They're performing a function at say one location or in an administrative role, which is still valuable, but for the price of 
you know, like a, an administrative person, or sometimes if your service is around two to $3,000 for half the price of their receptionist, they can get someone at executive level to, to help oversee their marketing for whatever period of time and to do all these things that we talked about. So pricing really does matter. So you can, what I often do is I'll price anchor against like, uh, the, you know, how much are you spending on your photocopier every month? How much are you spending on your coffee every, every month? Right. And sometimes if the company's big enough, th those numbers are kind of comparable. Um, the other thing you could do is go, well, what would it cost to hire a chief marketing officer or a uh, or an in-house employee with this level of expertise and specialization. That's often in the six figures or multiple six figures, depending on their, their experience levels. And oftentimes they don't have the same level of specialization in their niche, in their industry with their problems that you do. So you can say, well, you know, here are the pros and cons you can hire basically for the price of an administrator. You can get someone who's like a specialized chief marketing officer on demand when you need them, as well as all these other factors that you bring to the table, like helping them find new suppliers and staff members and all kinds of other value-added benefits that, that I do and that I'm sure many of you do as well. So price anchoring against other alternatives. And you could, you know, you could look at an agency would cost this, but, uh, or in-house, you know, employees would cost this and here are all the pros and cons of doing that. Um, so I, I sometimes use price anchoring as a, as a means and I kind of bounce around and say, well, if you don't do it, here's what it's going to cost. If you do do it and we get to those results, here's the upside value and the potential. If you don't, you know, um, and then if you were to take an approach of an alternative, uh, like hiring an in-house person, blah, 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 here's what they would cost and here's what you'd need. And you'd still maybe have these pros and cons. And then if you were to hire an agency for you, well, I personally have a bias uh, against full service done for you agencies. I don't mind agencies that do one or two services and do them really, really well. I just don't like the, this idea of an agency that claims to do everything because oftentimes they do a few things really well and then many things poorly. And that's, you know, anyway, so, and then if you don't like their services, you got to replace the entire team or, you know, it kind of creates that that issue. And then they also are incentivized to do more implementation work because that's how agencies work. So that's kind of my bias against kind of the full service done for you agency, which is there's nothing wrong with agencies. They, they do a great job by and large. Um, but anyway, those are the conversations that I would have and say, you know, you can build a deconstructed agency and here's how it would look. And you'd be spending something similar, but you'd have a team of specialists and that's what I help you build. Anyway, so your pricing gets other alternatives. Uh, there's opportunity costs and then there's the upside value. So, so far we've talked about what are the business outcomes we're trying to accomplish? How do we measure that value? Right. And, and we talked about opportunity costs and motivations and upside and, and price anchoring. There's also the ease of getting a result. So sometimes it is easier to work with an agency because they'll just do everything for you. But that's kind of also a myth because you still have to be very involved and you also kind of outsource your expertise. And then if that agency starts not performing or doesn't work out for you, you kind of have to restart with someone from scratch. So like having a key, a key person risk or a key employee risk, you now have a key agency risk that can leave with all that accrued knowledge rather than having it in house with a, a distributed team. Anyway, so there's, there's ease of getting results and then there's sort of probability of success as well. That's kind of built into the value. So if you're a specialist, the probability of you succeeding is going to go up. If you're a generalist, then, then there, you know, you're kind of, there, you know, you and the client is sort of rolling the dice on whether the advice you have is going to create results. So all these kind of factor into value as a force multipliers and into the equation, it's not perfect. Um, but you know, at the very, very basis of it is, you know, what would I have to do in terms of new business growth or retention in order to create a profitable scenario for you? So most of your clients, you know, like for example, in the office industry that I work in, if my fees are say $3,000 a month, which they tend to be on average us dollars, then, uh, then I just need to sell one or two new offices that would otherwise go unsold. 
And that sort of recurring revenue would, and it's called marginal profit. There's no, like if that was going to go unsold, it would be zero revenue. Now it'd be, you know, three, $4,000 a month revenue that recurs. So that in two clients will then therefore pay for the rest of my services. So that's kind of how I price anchor it. And I also say for the price, for a fraction of the price of your front desk staff, I'll be actually helping you grow your business, yada, yada, yada. So that's how I kind of do it. Um, but there's a whole bunch of other factors that go into it, like I just described. So how does all that impact the price, right? So you have these business outcomes, you have the value of what you're trying to sell. Now you want to kind of put it into pricing, right? You want to capture some of that value so that you get to leverage your expertise. At the end of the day, your expertise is the, the thing that you bring to market. It's the thing that gets smarter over time. And ideally you're documenting it and making it into a methodology. But that's the thing that you need to be able to sell for a maximum return on investment, which means being able to sell it to people who have a high need and therefore high value for what you offer. Uh, and then, you know, because you're only limited in terms of if you're doing advisory services or consulting of any kind, you're limited by the number of hours and energy you have in the day. So uh, your price needs to be commensurate with some of the value. And this is uh, kind of a, if you haven't read Value-Based Fees by Alan Weiss, highly recommend it. He's the one who kind of kicked me off in terms of thinking about my business in terms of value and in in my consulting services. Uh, I used to do a lot of custom proposals and I would do option A, B, and C. And all of it was mapped to the business objectives and the value of those business objectives. And I would provide them with different levels of service depending on, you know, which they wanted to go like, you know, first class coach on a private jet or first class on a private jet coach on a standard airline or, you know, regular fare on a, on a train kind of thing. Right. They'd all get to Hawaii, but the value is there, but there's different ways of getting there, which include ease and risk and all kinds of other factors. Speed is another thing as well. So how do you come up with a price? That makes sense. And I think there's just a few ways to do that. One is is looking at that, like I just did with you, what would we have to do in order to make this an obvious win for you? I think Alan Weiss kind of says, my fees are roughly 10% of the, the value of, of the engagement. So let's say my profit expectation was, you know, $5 million over the course of 10 years, then, you know, he'd be looking at $500,000 or whatever as his fees over some, some period of time, as long as it could actually get that result. Now it's a really hard way to do that kind of math. And I'm not in the ball game of personally, I'm not the kind of consultant who can sell multi hundred thousand dollar high ticket items. Although some of my clients have spent, you know, in the hundreds of thousands with me over the years. Um, but I don't sell that as a, as a big kind of package, maybe sometime in the future, as my expertise becomes more rare, I'll do that, but who knows? So how do you price it? Well, first of all, you have to know what all these levers are and then basically say like, and come up with a number that's good for you and in a system and in a, in a, in a, in a, in a service that, uh, that you feel good with that you can handle ideally more than one client at a time, um, like, or five or 10, depending on your business and then come up with a price and then justify it. So it's really kind of that simple, right? Like, you know, your fees at the end of the day, you have to be justified by financial ROI. So maybe it's avoiding pain, maybe it's avoiding risk, or maybe it's increasing your lifetime value with your clients, or maybe it's helping you, um, uh, you know, build the systems and structure that allow you to sell the business or get more investors and give you better visibility into your numbers. So you're not spending tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars in your marketing without knowing all this stuff. Like there's a whole bunch of, of factors there, but really it's about being able to make that business case so that when you're having these discussions and you say, well, you know, my fees are going to be five grand for the highest level, but here's how I think it would become an investment worth doing for you because X, like if I could help you grow this year, that would pay for it by even just this amount. But also you got to factor in that these systems and these strategies and these, this work that we do is going to pay you dividends for the next several years, whether we work together or not. And there's value in that as well. So there's kind of a lingering lifetime value 
uh, as well as increasing the directory of your business. So if I could give you better systems and better numbers visibility, and that helped you get more, um, helped you expand to more locations and get further investing, there's millions and millions of dollars of, of revenue and business value, you know, like some companies are valued by as a percent of profit and some companies are valued as a percent of revenue. And let's say you're, you're, you wanted to sell your potentially sell your company or you wanted your business to be worth uh, a number. One of the ways is like five times revenue or five times profit, depending on the, the business, whether it's recurring and all kinds of other factors. So every dollar you get in terms of top line revenue or profit can be multiplied by, you know, three to five plus times. And that's a valuable thing as well in terms of business value and that business value can go well with you, whether you're, there's all kinds of reasons, whether you're going to sell the whole company or shares in it or get investors, whatever it is. So that's why the understanding the context behind why they want to do certain things all comes into the value you create. So that's kind of a businessy sort of approach to understanding the value of your marketing. Um, it should be a fraction of the cost of some other expense. Uh, it should be a clear win. You should be able to demonstrate whether you've achieved those goals, whether you've built those systems, whether you've created those KPIs, whether you're able to accurately track them, whether you have moved the needle financially, whether, you know, whether you've increased lifetime value or retention based on tracking all those things and creating benchmarks when you first start as well, which is a topic I want to talk about more in the future. Um, so yeah, that's sort of roughly how I do it. And then, and then I basically just pick a number. And at the end of the day, I'm not going to, because I do productized services, I'm not going to maximize the value of every engagement I work on. I'm just going to leave money on the table, but it makes my business easier. You know, I can run with 10 clients at a time, one-to-one -one consulting and earn multiple six figures doing so. Uh, and then, you know, turn my laptop off at 5 PM and not think about work until the next day, unless I'm doing some of my own marketing or some of my own exploring. Uh, and then it's lower stress because it's an, it's designed in a way that, that doesn't have me doing implementation, but is doing advisory stuff. So anyway, th these are kind of the things going on in my head. Um, but yeah, as I come up with a price for things, I'm always thinking it's a clear win. It has to be a clear win, like a no brainer. And you should put that somewhere right near the, the, the price that you, that you put for it. Right. So for the price of this, you get this, or, you know, if we get the, this kind of growth, it would easily recoup my investment. Um, so I like to put that in there, uh, whenever possible. But that's about it. Um, yeah, we've talked about having business outcomes as a focus, whether that's growth, de-risking, expanding, retention, systemization, and scale, attracting new investors, et cetera, et cetera. Confidence, ease of peace of mind, the, the subjective elements as well. We talked about then creating value out of that through, you know, opportunity costs, understanding the opportunity costs of not hiring you or, you know, what the, the opportunity costs of doing other ways are, as well as the upside value of, 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 of doing that, of working with you and getting all these things that you've decided to do in place, uh, as well as price anchoring. So what would it cost to hire some other thing, you know, the relative value of your services versus anything else in their business, whether it's another employee or the, the photocopying expenses that they accrue every month. Uh, and then also then the price and the price again should be no greater than 10% of the value, you know, but it should also, um, be kind of, it should also be not too vague, right? So at the end of the day, sleeping well, better at night is, is, is important, but unless, you know, there's the value to that as well, and it's relative to the scale of the business. So I like to have a productized service ladder. And then at the very top, um, I like to have a starting out price. Everything else has a fixed price for a fixed type of client. So that's based on the size or the, some kind of measurable objective element of their business. And uh, that allows me to have service tiers that are closely aligned with the needs of those ideal clients. 
uh, rather than access to me. It's, it's about them and their situation and which one's right for them based on that situation. And, uh, that's about it. I, you know, I put the prices up there and then I design it in a way that is profitable for me. And then as I sell more of them, I slowly incrementally raise my prices and, you know, my time becomes scarce. That's the one benefit of being a consultant. We're kind of like Bitcoin. There's only ever so much of you to go around, which means that as you sell more of it and as people hold on to it, there's, there's less of you to go around, which means you can increase your prices and increase your values at the same time. And then once you've done it for enough people, you can put it into your methodology and sell that as a info product or training course or workshop or something else. So anyway, that's, that's the general approach to how I create value uh, conversations out of productized consulting. We'll get way more into the other stuff at some other time, but uh, was this useful? Let me know, you know, hit reply in the comments and inside the mindshare community and, um, or, you know, just give me a thumbs up. Okay. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Bye for now.